This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome in Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday night, November 4th, year of our Lord, 2021. A little bit late if you're live, if you're listening tomorrow morning on your commute to work in Pocatello, Idaho, then you don't even know that we were late on air. And thank you for uh, hanging around in the live chat. So it is show 200. We do not have the party planning budget to get balloons, but it is show 200. We have been here for 200 episodes. Thank you. We have, I think, at least 200 more in our pocket column. 200 more at least, yeah. So over under 200 and a half take the over be smart we have got a loaded show tonight high atop downtown nashville and we are prepared to talk about bias bias is being alleged i can't believe this what i can't believe is a group of people put out a list of rankings about something as important as college football and some people disagreed with it so there's some mad folks out there we're going to talk about bias allegedly on the committee i am going to give you several week 10 predictions we have got a very very good weekend coming up that does not feature a lot of top 10 versus top 10 matchups but what it does feature in case you hadn't already noticed is a lot of those highly ranked teams with really small point spreads and a lot of cases on the road i think disasters coming this weekend i'm just going to put it to you like that absolute and utter chaos probably on deck for saturday and we will predict it as best we know how around here the coaching carousel this is the new age. We don't wait until December or January. A lot of folks have already been let go. Uh, there are rumors, to varying degrees at least, about maybe more coaches on the hot seat. Now, we don't play the hot seat game a lot around here, but what I do like to do is when something has happened, i.e. Gary Patterson is no longer the head coach at TCU, we can freely speculate and we can try and be as informed with some intel and whispers as we can. Going to talk about that because already it's been crazy. I mean, think about that. Now, we've got USC and LSU already opened up, but it could get infinitely crazier. If some things were to go sideways for a couple of programs of note down the stretch, it could get really, really crazy. So I'm going to talk about that. We're going to add four more best bets onto the Ramen Noodle Express. We are going to leave this show tonight having already put 10 on the Ramen Noodle Express. I told you, no holds barred this week. We are not going to be selective. We're going to trust the model. It's been killing it. We have not. So we're riding the model. All that and more, make sure you're following Instagram and Twitter, at LateKickJosh. I appreciate you guys so much. Looking at basically all the numbers they send me every day. Show's doing great, above and beyond what we ever imagined it could. So thank you for that. So let's dive into this show tonight, because uh, I got a lot to get to. And it, it, this is the kind of show that could be 30 minutes, could be an hour and a half. I have no clue where we're going to go. The college football playoff committee, of course, released their initial rankings on Tuesday night, and that was met with some agreement, but a lot more anger. Well, there's no better way to put it. A lot of you were angry, and I think it's the least surprising headline in our society. A lot of folks were mad at a list of rankings. Hey, there are worse things in the world. You know that I am a believer that people being mad is not the worst thing in the world, nor is people being mad automatically a reason to change anything. 
So the college football playoff selection process, we watched it go down, and we've already talked about the team, so I'm not breaking down the rankings per se, but there are allegations, of course, of bias out there. And I don't really buy into it all that much, but that's okay, because what I want to do is I want to talk through it. I'm willing to listen. I've done a whole heck of a lot of it over the past 48 hours. There's a lot of allegations of bias. There's a lot of allegations of G5 hatred, and they're being boxed out. You know the drill. So my question, and I want to open it with this, is are you, and I'm talking to each individual along with myself, are we able to separate identifying something that is laced with bias or an agenda versus something that we just disagree with someone on? Because Colin can say the best color is red. I could say the best color is blue. Is he biased against blue or does he just really believe the best color is red? Two totally different worlds there. Like, has, has the red lobbyist got to him and lined his pockets and he's against blue? Or does Colin just say, I kind of like the color red more? Two different worlds there. So I think, and this is my premise, there may be some, some maybe shades of bias that are being cast over this process, process being the key word, that may be unfair labels. There I go defending the committee. So you got a chance to change my mind. Let's dive in here. The first thing I want to talk about is what has come to be known as the Cincy Conundrum. And I need to go ahead and copyright that. So I think it could be a halfway decent R&B group down the road. But right now, it is just the Cincinnati Bearcats being ranked outside the top four and the top five. And they're all the way down at number six right now. That's the problem, according to many. The problem, according to many, Cincinnati ranked at number six. Uh, the case against it is, well, they're undefeated. And they should be ranked higher because, well, we just think they should. And therefore, the conclusion is G5 hate. Anti-Cincinnati bias, anti-G5 bias. The best argument I've heard is that. That's the case for since he's being ranked higher. Uh, there are loads of metrics that are against it. For the record, I agree since he is largely ranked where they should be right now. I wouldn't have a problem if they were higher. Personally, I feel like that win on the road at Notre Dame is worth a whole lot. But I don't have a huge issue with it. I'm kind of indifferent, to be honest with you, on all this. But the case against anyone having Cincy outside the top four is just automatically, you hate the G5. You're against Cincinnati. Well, I know I'm not. I mean, I have been beating the Cincinnati drum all year. So am, am I anti-G5? Am I, do I, am I laced with all that bias? What I'm asking is this, because this is what I keep getting thrown at me. I keep getting thrown at me. If that team right there in Cincinnati was a Power 5 brand name, they'd be ranked a lot higher. Well, no, they wouldn't. And you know how I know that pretty definitively? Because I looked a couple of ticks below Cincinnati at the number 8 spot, and you know what I found? I found an undefeated Oklahoma Sooners team. Undefeated, brand name, Power 5 Oklahoma Sooners ranked all the way down at 8 below Cincinnati. How'd that happen? Was it an oversight? Did that Power 5 lobbyist just happen to overlook Oklahoma there? Of course not. The bottom line here is there's a process that was adhered to. Since it's where they're supposed to be according to that process, you can disagree with the process, but it doesn't always mean someone's out to get you just because you happen to disagree with something. The next thing is a phrase that we've heard a long time in the recruiting world, the old Bama bump. Bama's at number two right now. A lot of you think they shouldn't be. Uh, Bama has finished ranked number one in the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings for a long time. And inevitably, 
you got a kid that used to be ranked three stars. Nick Saban takes him early in the process, and he ends up with a mid-four-star grade, and that's a Bama bump. Now, what that allegation does not go on to do is track the kid's career, and when he ends up getting drafted 21st overall, no one revisits it. No one revisits the allegations of Bama's artificially inflated recruiting rankings when those same recruiting classes are winning title after title after title because it's all about sound bites, it's all about snapshots, it's all about momentary tweets, and then it's out of the way, and no one ever revisits that stuff. So the allegations of the Bama bump in the recruiting world, I've always laughed at, because it's backed up. The ranking is backed up on the field. Well, in this world here, the playoff committee ranking world, Alabama's ranked number two right now. And so the Bama bump theory is that they really shouldn't be there, and if other programs maybe had that resume, uh, they'd probably be ranked like fifth or sixth. Look, I looked at where Michigan State was. I looked at where Bama was. Me personally, like my personal feelings injected here for just a second, I could not care less. If you put Michigan State at two, if you put Bama at three, I wouldn't mind it. What I'm telling you is according to a long and at this point established track record of the process that they go about using to define these rankings, Alabama's where they're supposed to be. I'm gonna get back to that in a second long established track record of tangible process now. It's not just something that's made up spur of the moment. I want to also address the big lie or big lies and to put a finer point on it, the believers of the big lies in college football. Those lies are A, a win is a win and B, you are what your record says you are. Those are the big lies in college football. You are not automatically what your record says you are and a win is not a win. If a win is a win and you are what your record says you are, then if I go to Akron and beat them by three and you go to Bama tomorrow and lose by three, that means I'm better than you. On what planet does that make sense? What happened quite a while ago is there was a shift. College football blew up in the early to mid 2000s. In popularity, it just skyrocketed. Well, guess what happened? A lot of folks who had been covering pro ball their entire careers, they got reassigned to cover college football. And some of them chose to. They said, look at that burgeoning college board. I want to go cover it some. Well, that was fine. The saloon door swings both ways. That's fine. Here was the problem. And here still is the problem today. Some of you, dare I say, a significant portion of you, you brought the pro sports mentality. You took the Sunday ideology and you brought it into the Saturday saloon. We don't have room for that here. You have to have a lot more nuance and context in the discussion than you're one and oh, I'm 0-1. Hey, it is what it is. You, you, you must be better than me. That's not it. You aren't what your record says you are all the time in this sport. If it were that easy, then my little five-year-old nephew could figure this stuff out, and we wouldn't even need a committee, and you don't need the AP, and you don't need the BCS or anything like that. College football is different. It's okay to admit it. Secondly, a win is not a win. If a win were a win, then that team at number eight, the Oklahoma Sooners, would be number one or number two. How is Oklahoma number eight? How is Georgia number one? Their records look the same to me. Cause a win is not just a win. And you aren't just what your record says you are. Anyone who believes in that stuff, who has an IQ above room temperature is either being willfully ignorant or they really don't know what this sport's about. I don't really know any other way to put it. Cause I mean, I've seen some reasonable people out there that have come at me with that. But after we talked it through, I mean, most reasonable people understand, yeah, okay. I guess we do have to put 
a little bit more context into it than just what's your record and did you win because that's that's the end all be all that is important competition is supremely important i'm not trying to tell you it's not that's why we're not letting three or four lost teams in this thing but if you want to know if a two-loss Auburn were to run the table, how would they get their way back up into that top four, whereas maybe an undefeated or one-loss Wake would be on the outside looking at? It's because of the two big lies being swatted down as they should. But all that notwithstanding, you can believe I'm wrong about all that. You can believe there is a ton of Bama bias, and you can believe there is a ton of G5 hatred here, and you can believe in both of those big lies. I want to ask you a simple question. If that committee, because here's the third lie, here's the big playoff lie. If that committee truly is going into the room and just making it up as they go, and they're manufacturing some rankings in order to justify other rankings, could you tell me why guys like Adam McClintock and Dave Bartu are able to tell me what the playoff rankings are going to be before they're released? Because those guys have been doing really good work. I don't know if you've been following their work, but Dave Bartu, Adam McGlintock on Twitter, I would highly advise you to look him up if you enjoy spoilers, if you want to know what the rankings are going to be before they're released. Either the playoff committee's leaking to them, which we know is not true, or there is a process. They figured it out. They took the established data and metrics and the step-by-step of that process, and they apply it to real-world, real-time uh, results on the field. And they're able to tell you where the teams are going to be ranked. I watched them do it the other night. McGlintock had OU nailed. While, while the rest of America was shocked that Oklahoma was at eight. And that since he was at six, they nailed it. How'd they know that? If it's getting made up on the fly, how are there people out there who speak mathematics fluently who are able to figure that stuff out? It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So you don't want to believe that this is not bias. You want to believe in the bias. You want to believe there's a boogeyman in the closet over there out to get your program. In reality, there is a set list of criteria. There's a process that committee's following it. If you've got a problem, you've got a problem with the process, at which point we can have a different discussion. But if you're trying to tell me that it's just being made up as they go along, well, that's intellectually dishonest, and I'm probably not going to proceed much further down the road of that conversation. Oh, Colin, I didn't want to go that long, but I did. Oh, well. So I've got some good news. Good news number one. We're heading to College Station Saturday, and I'm going to be there like I should have, should have, yes, earlier this season. I missed the upset over Alabama. If you guys beat Auburn, I will be in the house for it. So we're looking forward to taking the Late Kick Renaissance Tour there. But here's the other good news. I'm meeting up with our friends from Academy Sports as I'm in College Station, and they are going to line my pockets, not with money, but with fresh batches of Academy gift cards for me to hand out. Academy Sports and Outdoors, of course, our exclusive partner on the show. They make all of this fancy stuff you see possible, and we appreciate it. I'm trying to get some cardboard cutouts of various notable figures, maybe a Colin cardboard cutout sponsored by Academy. A lot of things we're working on, but the point is what we have now is we have Academy as the official outdoor sporting goods supplier of not only the Big 12 and the SEC, but of late kick. And it's been beautiful to see as we go on the road, and we'll do it again this weekend, it's been beautiful to see the interaction between me and you guys. And it's always, hey, Josh, good to see you. Love the show. Check out this thing I bought from Academy. Usually in that order. Maybe a How's the Family mixed in there, but it's usually somewhere in that order. Hey, man, I was at Academy the other day. Meant to send you a picture. Did you get the tweet? Did you see the receipt? So I appreciate all that. I'm going to have some gift cards. So if you're in town Saturday, and I run into a whole lot of you, and I'm going to have 
a little bit more free time than I would normally have this Saturday just because of the way our pregame and postgame is working out schedule-wise. Just find me, and if I still have some, I'm going to hand them out. It's really that easy. There's no string attached to the card. You don't have to fill out a form. It's just straight-up free money from Academy to you, and no other questions asked. Just make sure you spend it wisely because those cards, it's beautiful. When you have it in your hand, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I gave, I gave one out today, right here in Nashville. Gave one out today. Beautiful thing. So we appreciate Academy for making so, so, so much possible for us. Week 10 is upon us. Just mentioned that we're going to College Station. We'll be there for Auburn at Texas A&M. But we broke that game down the other night. If you missed that prediction, we have the entire preview video up on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, which reminds me, before I get into the preview here, the number's down to 79 but 79% of our viewers on this channel are still unsubscribed. Not gonna say I'm angry about it, cause I'm not. I'm just gonna say I'm disappointed in you. And no one wants anyone disappointed in them. So for those of you who are subbed, all 71 some odd thousand of you, thank you. I think that we can do better. So please, it's free. You don't get spammed to death. Nothing bad happens. It's all good and nothing bad. Just subscribe to the channel. It helps us out a whole lot. With that in mind, now let's talk about some Week 10 predictions. Ohio State first up. They are 15-point favorites, and it's floating. That number's floated from 14.5 to 16. They're on the road. They're at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, pound for pound, is probably the most underrated team at the Power 5 level. When you take a ranking versus power rating perspective, there's a big gap. Ryan Day knows it. Ryan Day at Ohio State this week has tried to preach as much as he can I do not care that this team's sub 500. It's a good team. What he's seeing is he's seeing past the record. That old context in college football we talk so much about. What he's watching is that Michigan film. That top 10 Michigan team, Nebraska pushed him to the limit. He's watching that Michigan State film. Nebraska versus Michigan State. Michigan State right now in the top four. Nebraska pushed him to the very limit. And he's also watching him play Oklahoma. Another top 10 team right now, undefeated. Nebraska pushed him to the very limit. See, Nebraska is a couple of bounces away here and there from being right in the thick of this. But instead, they're sub-500, and they're out of every contention-based metric. They're good. I'm just telling you, they're a lot better team, and Ryan Day knows it. Their offensive line at Ohio State played good enough to win the other night against Penn State. Nothing to write home about, though, when it comes to the Buckeye standard. Nothing to write home about. It is a classic situation where, of course, the coaching staff knows the coaching staff hopes they've hammered it home to their team enough to know we cannot be going in here and sleepwalking. This is not any time for experimentation. This is not a time to figure some things out. This is not a time to pad anyone's stats. It's going to be a knife fight if you allow it. That's why a fast start's really important. There are a couple of games here we're about to break down, this being one of them, where it's imperative that you don't allow that crowd to believe early. Because if Ohio State allows even a Knicks worth of blood in the water earlier, it's going four quarters Nebraska is good enough to hang in there. And if you give them a couple of breaks, then that crowd and that team at home, they're good enough to kick the rest of the thing down themselves. So I'm going to take Ohio State to win this game. The model thinks the number's just about right. It's above two touchdowns in terms of point spread. I'm going to go Nebraska plus the points. I will go Ohio State to win. I think we'll know a lot by about the 10-minute mark in the second quarter. If Ohio State's already settled in, and they have established that early lead, and it's Nebraska trying to play keep up, that's one thing. 
But if there's been an early turnover and then there's been another couple of throws down the field against that Ohio State secondary, uh, they got a guy out in the first half. And so defensively, if there's some weaknesses and Nebraska pops you early, four quarters, it's going four quarters. Most football games do. It's just sometimes they're out of reach in the fourth quarter. That one I think may go four quarters. LSU is at Alabama. And I'm a little depressed here. I'm a little depressed because, well, it's not noteworthy. We didn't even do an LSU Alabama individual video breakdown. Why? Bama's favored by 28 and a half, which is about the same point spread that existed on this game last year. And remember last year, it was one of our biggest best bets of the year. Think about that. Bama laying, I think, 29 last year. And yet we said it's still nowhere close. Uh, and it was bad. It was violent. It was terrible. What they did to LSU last year, straight up NC-17 rated beatdown. So now the game's in Tuscaloosa. There's another fat point spread on this thing. I'm very interested to watch this, not because of the outcome being in doubt, but I'm very interested to watch what Alabama is coming out of the bye week. I'm a believer that whatever they're going to be offensively, you're going to see it Saturday. I mean, there is, like I said with Ohio State, this is no more time for experimentation. You're not trying anything else out. This is November. You are who you're going to be as a team. When you come out of that bye week, positioned where it is for Alabama, and you're in November, if they've decided that we're not going to try and rotate receivers in there, we've identified three or four and we're going to ride them, this is where you'll see it. If they're tired of seeing Jaleel Billingsley be somewhat of a liability at times at tight end, they want to ride Latu and they want to be more physical in the run game, this is where you'll see it. My point is, if they want to inject more tempo and they trust Bryce Young more coming out of the bite, this is where you'll see it. A lot of people think, oh, they'll save some stuff for Auburn. They'll save some stuff for the SEC championship game. That's not how real football works, especially when you have no margin for error. That's not how it works. So I'm looking at this. And I, I see 17 and a half right now is the first half line. And if you'll notice, the regular line on this thing is 28 and a half. Well, what Vegas is doing is they're not going to allow a repeat of last year where folks just killed them betting Bama first half because they knew a fast start was coming. I still think Bama first half here is worth something so much so that I may look at it Saturday morning. I don't want to lay the hook above 17. I want 17 or less. Uh, but the model thinks Bama's rolling LSU. They think Bama by, I think, 33. So we're taking Bama to win, even at 28 and a half. We're taking Bama to cover. Um, I still think there's a lot of residue, even from two years ago. And it's funny that this is not a program, this Alabama program. Historically, they are not a program that thrives on that disrespect and fuel for motivation being, you know, you doing something to them. The one exception, not that they needed it, but the one exception has been the way LSU carried themselves in their building two years ago, I was there. I was in, I was, I was one wall away from Ed Orgeron when he was being filmed secretly in the LSU locker room. I was on the field with him before that. So I experienced all that. Now, what I didn't know is I didn't know that everyone was going to be able to experience it because someone was, you know, live streaming in the LSU locker room. So I knew what was happening in there. But I hear that stuff a lot. That's standard procedure. When you're on the road and you win a game like that, go crazy. I don't care what you do. You earned the right. You won the game. But it got out. And Ed Orgeron said some things that uh, he has not been able to back up since then. And this is Ed's last trip to Tuscaloosa. And, um, you know, we've had Nick Saban on the show a couple of times. And so he's a friend of the program. I think we're ready to say it. And one thing about Nick Saban is if he can reach into your chest and pull your heart out, and hold it above his team while the blood trickles down, and that is your last experience against the University of Alabama, he'll do it. 
and they're going to do it Saturday, I do believe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Moving on, Georgia Tech plays Miami Saturday. I want to put a bright red emergency light on this game because I think it is a huge upset alert game that no one's talking about. As I say that, Miami Hurricane fans think I'm crazy because Miami's been playing really good football. Tyler Van Dyke is the answer at quarterback. I've seen it, guys. I've been following it. We've been talking about Miami. Here's the problem. I do this about one or two times a year. I did it last year, and we nailed it. And I'm telling you, this is one of those games I've got a bad feeling about turnovers. I got a bad feeling, and here's where it usually happens. It's usually a very specialized situation where a backup quarterback gets hot, like Tyler Van Dyke is right now, and then you start getting further and further into the backup's tenure, and there's a game that comes up where, I mean, you're feeling great. If you're Miami right now, you're looking at Georgia Tech, and your mouth's watering because you think not only do we get to go back home in warm weather instead of playing in Pittsburgh in late October, we got Georgia Tech. They are beleaguered. They're coming in here, so we'll be able to run it up a little bit on them. And what happens is you get a little loose, and you put the ball in a few too many places it shouldn't be, and you get a couple of balls that otherwise would have been tucked away and run for. You get them batted at the line of scrimmage, and they fall into enemy hands. I've got a feeling that Georgia Tech is going to be allowed to hang around in this game a lot more. Number one, because I think turnovers could be an issue. We never predict turnovers. I do it like once or twice a year. I think Miami is going to be minus in turnovers on Saturday. That's one. Number two, Miami, when you've watched them, even in this run, I really think Georgia Tech will be able to run the ball enough on Miami to where if you combine that, if I take that and I combine it with turnover problems, I think they'll be able to hang in the game. Because, I mean, I think Georgia, really in the air, I think Georgia Tech in the air will be able to make enough plays here. Not overwhelm them, but make enough plays in the air here to where I think they're going to hang. Uh, the model by the slimmest of margins does have Miami winning the game. But Georgia Tech's one of our best bets of the week. So we're taking the Jackets plus nine and a half is what we got it at. Right now it's at ten and a half. So, hey, if you can get that, by all means, take it. No, we did get 10 and a half. That's right. I thought it had dropped to nine and a half. So we got 10 and a half earlier in the week. Uh, we like Miami to win closer maybe than the experts think. Moving on, Tennessee. Director Collins nervous about this game. Nervous. And I can tell you, Tennessee folks have been ready for this one for a little while. Tennessee's at Kentucky. Kentucky opened as a favorite. It's right at pick right now. He, uh, Kentucky just lost, okay? So, so people are a little bit off that, that blue bandwagon. Kentucky goes to Mississippi State and they lose. They had bad turnover issues in their own right. 
And so I remember, man, talking to some people around the Tennessee program, look, they knew when they were coming out of that Ole Miss game and they had to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama, I mean, they, they didn't have any grand illusions about going in there and pulling the upset of the century. It would have been nice, but they were looking at getting to the bye week, getting healthy, and this Kentucky game. That's what Tennessee folks have been ready for because this is one that's going to do a lot more to tell them where they're at than playing Georgia or playing Alabama. And so here we go. On the surface, there's a lot to like about Tennessee here. I was going to pick Tennessee. I mean, I was really ready to pick Tennessee. A lot of you were, apparently, because this line's moved all the way down to pick from Kentucky minus like two. But the more I get into it a little bit, I'm not so sure I love the matchup for Tennessee. I'm looking, and the reason why I've watched Kentucky lose a couple of games, number one's been because of turnovers. They've won some games in spite of turnovers, to be honest with you. But they've had teams that could stall them on the ground. Now, I don't know that Tennessee's equipped to do that. So if Kentucky... A, rectifies turnovers, which should be a, an emphasis in every sense of the word this week because of what happened last week. And B, they have more success on the ground, which they should against Tennessee. And C, it's going to be like 15 degrees. Not quite, but it's going to be really cold. They get back home. I think it's a more Kentucky, dictate the terms kind of game. Back and forth, don't think it's a blowout either way. Certainly don't think it's a blowout. I think Kentucky's going to end up winning the game here. As much as I wanted to be on Tennessee coming out of that bye, and finishing strong, I actually think Kentucky's going to win the game. We're going to make it one of our best bets later in the show. We're going to add it to the Ramen Noodle Express. I'm not particularly happy to say it because this is one where the model is telling me something I'm not crazy about hearing. Kentucky folks already think I hate them. So why not lean into it at this point? But I don't. Trust me, I don't. And we themed the entire set blue. And C, I'm picking you to win the game. How about Baylor at TCU? Very important game here. Uh, a lot rides on where we will be a week from Saturday based on the outcome of this game. Baylor is favored by six and a half to seven, depending on where you look. They're on the road at TCU. TCU has lost five of the last six. Team's a mess. They just fired Gary Patterson, so he's out the door. Everything's against TCU, and yet that line with top 15 Baylor is under a touchdown. And so what do we make of this? Well, you got Oklahoma next week. That's what I'm talking about when I say a lot rides on where we'll be. Because I'd love to be at McLean Stadium next week for Oklahoma at Baylor. And that'd be the biggest matchup of the week next week. But here's the problem. I think a lot of people at Baylor are aware of that too. And they got a hurdle right here. And it does not ever tell you what to expect when a coach is fired. Everyone thinks coach is fired, program in disarray, it's an automatic play against. How's that working out for you with Washington State? Like Rolovich was gone and the Washington State covers and everyone's, I can't believe this. Football players know how to play the game by this point of the season. Like they don't need a guy to tell them, all right now, now I'm gonna put you in, I'm gonna put you at receiver. So what I want you to do is when they snap that ball, I want you to run as fast as you can until you get 15 yards downfield. And I want you to turn in, someone's gonna throw the ball to you. No one needs to be taught that at this point. So a head coach, they're making some in-game decisions, but they got Jerry Kiln at TCU. He's been a head coach. So it's not like it's a massive downgrade over a four quarter sample size. TCU could win this game. The model loves TCU. The model thinks TCU's got upset outright potential. I'm not going that far because I love the way Dave Aranda is able to manage his team. Uh, Baylor, I think now and moving forward, as long as he's there, I don't think they're gonna be a team of extreme highs and extreme lows. 
I think they mirror his personality. And so I think they'll be able to go in there, and I do expect them to be able to win the game. I don't think it's going to be without sweat and maybe some fingernails chewed to the nubs late, but I do like Baylor to win. I don't really have any opinion strongly one way or the other on the spread there. Uh, two other games that we're not going to break down. I just want you to keep an eye on them. Oregon's going to Washington, and also Michigan State's going to Purdue. And these are games where you've got top 10 teams. Michigan State is favored by three at Purdue. Oregon's favored by seven at Washington. I'm just telling you, like these are games that they're not on your radar until they are. And all of a sudden, your buddy texts you, and it's midway through the third quarter, and it's tied, and you're saying, when are they going to pull away? And they don't, because really neither of these offenses probably is built, if they're in one of those, we call them slog fests. If they're in a slog fest, they're not going to pull away. I mean, there's a reason why these numbers are as low as they are. Pay attention to Michigan State Saturday. They got Ohio State the week after. I mean, they, they got Ohio State two weeks after. They see it on the horizon. They see it coming. None of these games are a gimme. Michigan State can win every one of them, but none of them is a gimme. And Oregon, likewise, that offense has not been built and not been able to just pull away from inferior teams out there. That's how the likes of Stanford end up coming up and biting you. So just keep an eye, Michigan State, Oregon. There are a lot of teams this Saturday that are highly ranked but not highly favored. And that's a recipe for Upset City. There you see Oregon's schedule there. Uh, Oregon, listen, they, they still got to go to Utah on the 20th. May have to play them again, for all I know, in the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, that's not easy now. Oregon's still got some tasks ahead of them. And there's one, obviously, this Saturday. Now, listen, Oregon you guys, I hope you do well athletically because it's been well established this week. You'll never measure up academically. Shame. Because if there's one thing that we watch for on Saturdays, it's the GPA. That's all I'm watching for. If you win the football game, whatever. I want to see you at the academic decathlon on a Monday morning. That's what I want to see. That's why we love this sport so much. Not the best of weeks for Jimmy Lake. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Jimmy Lake is the head coach at Washington. I don't think he's going anywhere right now. Some Washington fans would suggest otherwise. But here we go, Colin. Here's the real end point. The coaching carousel, yep, it's already time to start talking about that kind of alliteration. Even though it's early November, we've already seen multiple moves get made. It's already been a fast start. I'll grant you that. We've got USC open, we got LSU open, we got TCU now open, but there are major eyes in the coaching industry on the states of Texas and Florida. And the reason is because as fast as the start has already been to the coaching carousel, it could get really crazy. I mean, it could get really, really wild. It could go from just garden variety crazy to kind of earth tilting crazy. So here's what's happening. Inside the industry, no one knows what's going on at Florida. No one has a good gauge on it. The best thinking is that Dan Mullen is certainly, you know, not at risk of being fired tomorrow or anything like that. But it feels very weird. Florida, the situation feels very off, and the right things can be said, but you know if you're close to that program, or if you're far away and you're observing it, it doesn't feel right at Florida. Now, what you have that we cannot know that's in play here is, we cannot know where Dan Mullen's head is really at. You know, for instance, Dan Mullen's the kind of guy where it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if at the end of the year, he were to say, I'm, I'm gonna go try something else at the pro level. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I'm not speaking first-handedly. I'm telling you, you can't fully know where his head and heart is. Secondly, you also don't know what would happen if disaster strikes. Example, Florida plays South Carolina Saturday. 
South Carolina's off a bye. They're at home. Got a night game there, I believe. And Florida's coming in there as like a 17 or 18 point favorite. What happens if Florida loses the game? Is what I'm asking you. Because right now, if they win out, they can go eight and four. They can be nine and four with a bowl game win. And they should win every game remaining on their schedule. But what if they don't? You know, what if disaster, what if the worst or beyond worst case starts to unfold? Because I can tell you, if Florida loses Saturday, it's probably a pretty good indication it's because the locker room's no longer there, the team's no longer there, and Dan Mullen has lost critical assets of his team. And at that point, we've seen it happen before, where you go from saying so-and-so is safe to over the span of four quarters, and then subsequently, the Monday and Tuesday after that, you just feel it go so sour so quick that you have no alternative. So I can sit here and tell you right now, oh, I think Dan Mullen's safe, but I can also tell you that could change. And I can tell you also there are a lot of people in the coaching industry and the agent industry that are watching that job. So you got Florida there. How about Manny Diaz at Miami, though? That's been one that's most interesting because there are two very clearly differing schools of thought right now. One of them has been Manny Diaz, it's a foregone conclusion. If he loses another game, he's going to be out. Well, that talk happened, and it preceded Miami winning back-to-back games. They won against NC State by a point. Then they go to Pitt. They pulled a four-point upset last week, and it kind of subsided a little bit. I thought Manny Navarro had a really interesting column with The Athletic this week. It was a couple of days ago. We hadn't spoken about it on this show yet. But he talked about how there is a feeling around the Miami program that barring just total disaster... Manny Diaz is safe this year and maybe beyond. That wasn't my biggest takeaway. And that's not why a lot of eyes are focused on Miami. A lot of eyes are focused on Miami because of something else that was said in that article. Again, it was Manny Navarro. It's over on The Athletic. He quoted people inside the Miami program as saying, if we do make a move, if we had to hire a coach, finances would not be an issue. That is where the differing schools of thought come into play. There is a camp out there, and they're not just, you know, whistling past a graveyard or anything like that. They've got reason to believe this. That camp believes Miami talks a lot, and they got a lot of bluster, but they will not write the check when the time comes. They're not that serious about football, and their track record for a long period of time now has established that. That's one school of thought. You can very well understand why someone would think that. But then there's the other school of thought. The other school of thought is when Donna Shalala was in charge down there, her kind of mode of operation was, we will only put into athletics what athletics brings us. We are not dipping into the university coffers in order to fund athletics. Well, that's where the Manny Navarro article comes into play. That's why there's a lot of interest in the coaching industry. A lot of coaches have looked and said, Miami's not really all that great a job anymore. But Manny Navarro wrote the other day, the thinking now around Miami is money won't be an issue because they're willing to dip into their health fund down there. And that thing generates nine figures per year. And if we're willing to dip into that, then all of a sudden, money really isn't an issue if you're serious about it. See, Miami's talked before. Are they serious about it? The thinking in the industry is, number one, if Diaz is let go, and number two, if they're serious about that, all of a sudden, Miami becomes an infinitely more attractive place to land. So keep an eye on that, because those are two coaches still in place that people are watching closely because if one or either of those jobs opens, that's a big ripple effect throughout the industry. TCU is open right now. TCU is viewed as very underrated in the coaching industry. There is a unique combination of things that maybe you've thought about before, maybe you haven't. Number one, it's a really good place to live, okay? It's situated in Fort Worth. 
So that's just a good place to live, period. But number two, they're in the Big 12. Texas is about to leave. OU is about to leave. There are some people who think that's going to be the best job in the Big 12 once those two exit. The third is you're going to get a really good salary there. You'll have the ability to hire a pretty good staff, and you don't have to deal with the kind of elevated expectation level that exists at some of these traditional powerhouse Power 5 programs. So there's a lot going for that TCU job. And also in the state of Texas, now here's where it could get wild. You've got Texas Tech already open. You've got TCU already open. And you've got, for instance, uh, Trailer over at UTSA who just got a new 10-year deal. Doesn't really matter a whole lot. He's still in play for these jobs. Sonny Dykes at SMU is in play for these jobs. And so obviously it stands to reason if either of them take either of these jobs, then you got other Texas jobs that just came open by default. So there's this big round robin. That, well, it's not a round robin. There's this big ripple effect, and chain reaction, if you will, in the coaching carousel just in the state of Texas. There's a good article on 247sports.com about just the state of Texas right now. I'll tell you a name that I heard today uh, that I was kind of asking around and reading around, and a couple of people have floated Billy Napier, head coach at Louisiana right now, for the TCU job. Obviously, that would be contingent on whether or not he got a look at LSU. If he gets the LSU offer, he's going to LSU. But if he didn't, is Billy Napier content with just staying at Louisiana, or would he take the TCU job? I don't know the answer to that. That would be, I think, a little more intriguing an offer and an option on the table for him than you think, given the programs that he has turned down in the past. What about LSU? Where's LSU right now? I think a lot of the legwork has been done behind the scenes. I think Scott Woodward, the AD there, has a clear number one. There are many people who believe that is Jimbo Fisher. And even though Jimbo has turned him down, Bruce Feldman the other day <laughs> was reporting that, eh, I know what Jimbo said. Uh, Scott Woodward, there's some people around LSU who believe well, you're going to have to tell him to his face. You're going to have to get a no out of Jimbo Fisher to my face. And maybe Jimbo will still do it. I can tell you right now, if Jimbo tells you no, it will not just be no. It'll be no. And then it'll be four pages of text after that that come out of it. Jimbo Fisher could not use a one-word sentence. There's no way that one-word sentence could ever come out of his mouth. He's just not programmed that way. He's going to tell you no. He's going to tell you why. And he's going to give you uh, three other just kind of supporting arguments for why. But if they don't get Jimbo Fisher, now I don't think they will for the record, so let me state that. But if they don't, I think there's a list of candidates there and I think some of them have been floated around. I still believe that there are some candidates whose names have not even been spoken that could be in the LSU search. But I do think that they are pretty far down the road, even though it doesn't feel like anything's happening. I think a lot of the legwork has been done to the point where I think you've just got your list and you start going down the list. I think Scott Woodward knows what every one of them would want. I think they've already worked that out internally. And at that point, it's just going to be a, Person A, here's your offer. We got turned down. Person B, here's your offer. That's where they are. USC, I do not think, is at that point. USC, I think, is miles behind LSU, not just in terms of the attractiveness of the job. I do think LSU's better job, the better job. But I also think USC is behind LSU in terms of the legwork that they've done. At, at, at LSU, there's one dude driving the bus right now. At USC, there's several folks with their hands on the steering wheel. And I still think... When it comes to that process, I still think they're deciding what they want and who they want, what those characteristics are, which in and of itself is not the best thing to be saying several weeks into a coaching search. But the more people you get involved, obviously the more messy it could get. 
Here's what's ridiculous, okay? I had one person telling me when I asked about James Franklin. Well, you know, yeah, Franklin was high on their list, but now he's lost a couple of games. Let me tell you something. This, could, this is probably common sense. If you have coached for over a decade, and my opinion is still changing on you game to game, I'm the one without a clue, not you. You are who you are. I'm the one without a clue. I'm the one with no business in deciding whether I'm gonna hire you or not. If over a decade into your career, I'm still changing my opinion on you over each individual four quarter set of football. That can't be what's happening there. I hope that's not what's happening there. Cause a good USC is good for me. As I hope that's not what's happening there. But that's just some of the stuff that we're following here. And that's why when we have a weekend coming up like we have this weekend, just to go back to that Florida game, you may look at Florida at South Carolina and say, I don't really care much about that game. You should, you should. Because what if there is disaster in that game that were to lead ultimately to action being taken on Dan Mullen that leads to Florida hiring a new coach that either comes from your program or that new coach takes a coordinator and an assistant coach from your program, takes a couple of recruits from your program. These are keystone programs. What happens there, what happens at Florida, what happens at LSU, what happens at USC, it has a ripple effect that can somewhat impact the entire uh, profession, the entire industry, and the entire sport. So keep an eye on that because this is that time of year. We're going to be talking about that a lot. All right, it's time for Ramen Noodle Express, and we're going to get out of here. We've already started 2-0 and on the week. we got Eastern Michigan in the bag already. Plus 9, they won outright. We had Central Michigan plus 9.5 in the bag. They won outright. So here are the eight remaining games so far. I may add more. No prisoners this weekend. Kansas State minus 23.5 at Kansas. We already posted that one. USC plus 8.5. We're already on Georgia Tech plus 10.5. East Carolina minus 15.5. Here are the new best bets that have just been released today. Stanford plus 8.5 at home against Utah. Penn State, we finally got it under 10. Penn State minus 9.5 at Maryland. We are not worried about the letdown. We like the matchup. We think the number is too low. Penn State minus 9.5. We are taking Kentucky at pick at home against Tennessee. Kentucky, just take them out right. And we are taking Northwestern plus 10.5 against Iowa. Handed that one out the other day. So Northwestern, Kentucky, Penn State, Stanford, East Carolina, Georgia Tech, USC, and Kansas State. We're already 2-0. Why don't we just go 10-0? There are no rules against it. Why don't we just go 10-0? So thank you so much for watching this week. I am looking forward to going to College Station. What I'm really looking forward to is when I look at that extended forecast and it says 72 and sunny Saturday for the SEC on CBS 3.30, 2.30 local time kickoff game of the week. Looking forward to that and seeing many of you guys there. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Had a great feature on the show done by Barrett Media today. And so that is, that's all of us. That's not me, that's all of us. Because without you, no one has a clue who I am. So thank you so much for making all that possible. Continue to grow the show in a multitude of different ways. And again, all made possible because of you. So have yourselves a great start to the weekend. For Director Colin, for our entire crew, I'm Josh Pate. We will see you back here for Full Reaction Sunday night. Until then, take care and God bless. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.